This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. And uh, we are in the piney woods of north central Florida. And by God, it's a little chilly, 43 degrees right now. We'll make the best of it, though. It's a clear day. Uh, we'll talk about the weather at the bottom of the hour. When uh, Right now, we'll be talking with our guest in just a moment. We are, of course, in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gator. And we're protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. Locally owned, locally operated, great people. You support the people that support us. We'll all be working together to try to change the direction of the country, which most of us realize we are maybe at a crossroads and not going to have a lot more opportunities. We've got a great guest this morning, Ambassador Francis Rooney. Uh, Let me just give you a little background on him. Uh, He was, uh, he represented Florida's 19th congressional district in in the United States House of Representatives from 2017 to 2021. And from 2005, to 2008, he served as the United States Ambassador to the Holy See. He was appointed by President George W. Bush. He's written a book about the global Vatican. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit. But what he's basically interested in is what you and I are interested in right now. It's foreign policy, to put it in a nutshell. Um, in my history, since I'm probably the oldest one here talking, um, it goes back for me really goes back to the Bay of Pigs, the equivocation of Kennedy. Uh, I had a friend who rode on that mission. It was aborted twice, frustrated, led to the Vietnam War, was never a war. From then on, we got Johnson, who didn't know what he was doing. Now, this is my opinion, of course, but I'm never wrong. And then we got Carter, who really led almost the most successful third-party candidate well, he is the most successful third-party candidate, but he wasn't president. That's Ross Perot. And, of course, that led to Reagan. And we haven't had anything since then like Reagan. So we're going to look at the chat room. Any questions you've got, fire them to me. We're going to talk with Ambassador Rooney as he discusses the Hamas attack on Israel, its global implications, and the Israeli and U.S. responses. Sir, good morning. Great to see you. Thanks for joining us from time to time. Uh Fire away. I'm interested. We're all interested in what you have to say. Well, thank you for having me on again. It's a great show and great service to America. Uh, these are very turbulent times. You know, the vacillating, weak leadership of, of both Biden and Biden, uh, Biden and Obama, particularly vis-a-vis Iran, has got us into some positions of, of confusion, if not worse. You know, I mean, what, what do the Iranians have to be thinking when we've twice given them gobs of money? and signed a defective agreement that allowed them to build up nuclear weapons on their military bases. They must think we're stupid. 
And I the Chinese and the Russians are sitting there watching all that stuff. And, you know, we let uh, Obama made a joke when Russia came in, took over Crimea, made a joke of it. And so what are they supposed to think? No wonder he came on in and tried to go after the rest of the country. So we, so we really need some principal foreign policy now with some kind of uh, strategy. Well, you know, Ambassador, I haven't seen one since the time sequence I just flashed through here. It's all been, change my language if you'd like, seat of the pants, uh, make it up as you go. No real, except for Reagan. You know, um, Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty profound moment. And it's, uh, it's the most profound moment of all the presidents I think I can remember um, having gotten involved with foreign policy. Every, you know, after that, it decays again. Or it, now, they it, used to say foreign policy is not, par- by, is not partisan. The bipartisanship uh, needs to rule foreign policy. And it did up through Reagan and really up through Clinton, quite frankly, and into Bush. But Ronald Reagan led from strength, led from clarity. And that's the kind of leadership that, that uh, the world needs from the United States. Well, your former colleague who comes on the show from time to time actually is a regular with us on Wednesdays, Ted Yoho. We have got a list of things that we feel are very important to address in this country. Uh, he calls it principally the Obamanization of America. Ever since Obama got in there, and you said, oh, Biden a moment ago, nothing's much changed. We have had the quote-unquote Obamanization of America. And basically, correct me if I'm wrong, Ambassador Obama has said, you guys need to correct your flawed country. He's the first president in my lifetime that I remember who, quote unquote, didn't love America. I mean, what's your take on it? I mean, we had a minister. Well, unfortunately, I think you're right. I mean, his first shot out of the box was he went to Egypt right after he got installed, inaugurated, and he, he apologized for America's colonial past. And then he took that picture of Churchill out of the first floor of the White House because he's got some kind of resentment for the British role in Kenya. I mean, that's no way to lead a country. And uh, he, he, in addition to the bad things he did for domestic policy, I think he did convey a lack of, uh, I don't know, reverence for our uniquely successful democracy and leadership in the world. Well, he had that quote, you didn't build that, you know, that kind of poppycock. And um, um, he started this statistical impact business that anytime one group is has less good statistics in a given thing, whether it's home ownership or going to school or driving a good car or whatever it is, when one group is not as good as other groups, then the government's supposed to step in and fill that gap because obviously there's some kind of prejudice or mistake. And, you know, that's wrong. It hasn't, huh? it hasn't gone away. It's now no. embedded in um, what some people call the deep state. But it's manifested itself most recently. And I, I think this is a fortunate, I hate to use that word, um, in this, in this uh, circumstances. It's one of those unintended uh, consequences that because of this Harvard president and the behavior of those ladies, we have shown it for the first time. What's your take on this? if you will. And now we are actually, even the New York Times is on to it. Yeah, if there's any reflection of the lack of principle of American higher higher education professors and regents and, and, and leaders is 
the fact that they're trying to cram this uh, lady's plagiarism down into something called uh, incorrect citations or something. Any other student would be tossed out on their face for doing what she did. Well, also, they dumbed down. They didn't call it plagiarism. They call what they call it. Citation confusion or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Inappropriate citations or lack of citations or something. But, and but now, it, of course, she's playing a race car. Of you course. Know, but, you know, that, that, that's my, I think this has been an unintended consequence of a horrible situation. Um, well, I tell you what it does. It's further proof that Justice Roberts and the court are right. If you don't want discrimination, don't discriminate. The other thing we discuss so much other than the Obamization of America, and we've touched on already a couple of times in this conversation, is the I think this made Ted kind of disgusted with Congress, is a lack of leadership. You know, what has Congress gotten done this year, period, about anything, most importantly, perhaps, the border? It was all wrapped up. You got China, Israel, the border, the debt. Take all in there. Do you, do you know that in my first term, I guess it was Ted's second or third, we spent the same amount of money per day as Obama's administration had, and we had all three branches of government. Paul Ryan couldn't say no any better than anybody else. Well, he we have got to stop spending the people's money. And well, I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't see it happening either because these guys want to spend our money so they get reelected and keep the job because it's the best thing that ever happened to them. How do you interpret the Obama influence on the border uh, and the indifference of the Democrats to do anything about it? I mean, it's even it's even starting to bifurcate them. They're not. Yeah, I, th- I think I think some Democrats are peeling off from the mantra the, the, that we really can't police the border and we really don't aren't sure we even want a border. That that's what the liberal Democrats feel. But uh, I think a lot of moderate and moderately liberal Democrats are saying, okay, enough already. What do you make of this colonization thing? I'd like to hear your thoughts. Explain well, that, yeah, I, that, that is maybe one of the more insidious things that's going on right now out of this current generation and all the college professors and George Soros who have propagated it is this idea that because a country or a group were so-called colonizer, uh, then everything else that's a, a, been a problem for anyone else can also be applied. That doctrine can also be applied to them. It's a very convenient rationale to say, okay, hmm, uh, we had slavery. Okay, so we had slavery and people were bad for having slaves, even though you do need to kind of look at the time when it happened. And so because Indians were beaten, they get to be treated like slaves. And now because Palestinians say they were displaced from a place where the Jews had been there just as long as them, um, they get to be treated like slaves. Everybody gets to be treated as a colonizee under that mantra. It's very dangerous because it can go anywhere. And if you research colonization, it's an uneven, uneven application of colonization. Some colonization really was much more uh, positive than some of the others. Basically, you take a look at the difference between the British and the Japanese and, and the Spanish. And the Spanish uh, took more than they left. And generally, the British left some sort of partnership. And they don't even, they go, my biggest problem with it is an oversimplification of the issue you just alluded to. You know, well, yeah, I, I just don't think the fact that uh, the country, that these countries were developed by European countries is bad. They weren't no. doing so, they weren't so great before the Europeans came. Right, right, right. 
Let me ask you about the. Let me ask you about your. Uh, was Pope John around when you were the ambassador? Um, no, he died before. Uh, in fact, I was over in the State Department studying Italian when he died, getting ready to go. Did you ever meet him? Mm-mm. We no. did go to a midnight mass in like 2002, and he said the mass, and boy, he was feeble. We were standing up right, right near him where we could see him. Well, my point is, what we've got there now for a pope, let me put it to you this way, and I think you might, is not a Pope John. Uh, nor is he a Benedict, nor is he a Paul VI. Uh, this guy is a bit dangerous, I think, for uh, the United States and for uh, the, the conservative Catholic Church. I mean, he's, he's a liberation theologist from Latin America, which makes him have that anti-development bias that they all have. And they feel that no developing country is ever going to do enough for the poor, whether it's about the environment or uh, infrastructure or whatever. But they and, and, and they but they never hold any of those countries accountable for their failures. I mean, Nigeria has pumped as much oil as many, many countries and has created much, much wealth. It's just that it's all been stolen. The People are no better off in Nigeria for any barrel of oil that's ever been pumped. And it's getting that way in, in, in uh, Venezuela. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and what about what about this? Uh, I call it piggybacking, the piggybacking of transgenderism and um, trans, I, you know, I'm going to run out of language. I don't understand it. Really, in the basket of slavery. In other words, racism and transgenderism are one and the same in the minds of these people. This Pope well, that's what I mean about the portability of the doctrine of settler colonialism. If you buy into the mantra that anytime someone's been oppressed or someone's exercised privilege on the other side, then you're, then the, the aggrieved people are the ones who are supposed to be protected at all costs. And the uh, privileged people are supposed to suffer for having been them. And so, yeah, you can apply it to anything. You can apply it to the uh, LBGTQ people. You can apply it to Indians. You can apply it to, uh, uh, any kind of person who can make a claim that some other group exercised privilege or control over them. Check the chat line here now if you have anything that you'd like to pass along. Uh, Fiscal conservatives, a person in the chat line, I don't believe they exist much right now, do they, Ambassador? Um, Certainly not in the government. No, and, and like I say, that's a bipartisan failure of the American people. Uh, Republicans spend just about as much. They just spend it on different things. What do you make of the um, the deep state was certainly there when you were there. Was it something you guys were aware? How did you? How did you? Uh, well, you're there with Bush, and, and um, how do you? You know, I never really thought much about this so-called deep state. I thought it was a little bit conspiratorial. But when the uh, when you look at the voting pattern of D.C. and Arlington, Virginia, being in the mid-90s for Democrats all the time, everywhere, and you look at the uh, things that the FBI did under Trump's second year, which were horrendous, and I read all the classified on that, about the as did Ted, uh, about the uh, stroke guy and the, the steel documents and all that. Right. And, it was just a sham. There was no reason 
there was no legitimacy for that FISA warrant to go all the way up the chain and be signed off on by all those guys. It was politics. They, they had it in for Trump and they thought they could get him here. Well, the same now seems to be, you know, I was kind of tickled though. The news services have these, well, let's have the great year in stories, you know, and they'll say, Oh, this, you know, tornado, this or that. Entertain me with this, please. I think we've only had one story since Trump came down the escalator. We've had no other story. Just one story. Let's get rid of the guy. Do what it takes to get rid of the guy. If it takes corrupting the FBI, the CIA, um, the courts, if it takes revising the Supreme Court, if you get the wrong justices, do whatever we need to do. This is what I alluded to at the beginning of the of, 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 of talking with you today. That's the crossroads. If somehow, some way, if you look at the data, very few people trust this election coming up. Uh, they have they're very very gun shy about the thing. If it goes cattywampers, and we get back to the status quo, which is Obidenism, that's I, I think we got it. We can sign off on it. Well, what we're seeing with this Harvard thing is another reflection of this problem of the ends justify the means, which is not the way it's supposed to work. These people will go to any length to accomplish what they want to accomplish, regardless of what rights or principles they have to trample on. That's why I think the Harvard thing is a, a an unintended consequence that is a positive, in many, many ways, much more positive than a negative. Because it, it, it is uh, brought out the flaw. You know, Ambassador, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm 81, okay? Mm-hmm. I think when I came to the University of Florida in 1961, there were communist professors at the university. And there was a man from named John's at the John's Committee who was here from Stark and caught a lot of criticism because he was like McCarthy, see, who was in Congress. Mm-hmm. But with hindsight, decades of hindsight, you begin to realize, no, you know, there was a lot of anti-Americanism going on and we just bailed out Europe you know, we had re- returned Japan to Japan. And yet, it wasn't coming out of the classroom that way. And now looking back on it, it never got stopped. Administrators hired people like themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you follow me? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what they did. They perpetuated a, a broad-based platform that's now become to be called this settler colonialism, but it's an ideology, and they'll apply uh, the uh, means don't the means uh, don't justify the ends kind of thing. And so now you've got um, um, professors openly advocating uh, that free speech is not good when it involves conservative uh, discussion. So these liberals, are, they're supposed to be the defenders of all the good and the principles and all that, don't want free speech unless it's theirs. And this Harvard thing is a good catalyst to, to, to create more dialogue around these issues, I think. 
Absolutely. I have uh, documents which I'll share with you right now, which we have had of three or four years. They were leaked to me by a very nervous faculty member at the university. And all things, you wouldn't believe that you could have a dean of a dance school, ballet, dance, the school of theater and dance, condemn the school of theater and dance for global anti-blackness because of the dances and the dramas came out of European values. We we could probably go on for hours with instances like that. How about Disney renaming their log ride? Go figure. Yeah, but that seems to be the mantra of these young people, this generation that started around 1998 or 2000, uh, fortified by a bunch of very liberal college professors, bureaucrats, and and, and heads of um, higher ed institutions. You know what thing really got me about those higher ed institutions? They have all this money, but when it came to COVID, they wanted the government to give them the same kind of money they were giving basically Americans who were suffering hardships. We should have made them use their endowment. One sentence out of this introduction, which has been leaked to me, um, we also recognize that the field of dance has been built upon and benefited from white supremacist beliefs, policies, and practices in a variety of ways. There it was. Not a lot of proof in that statement, just a lot of words. Well, they got away with it, and the president at that time, who President Fox he was the guy who let this go on. And I think one of the things that really was bold, I'm going to talk with you about this, because you probably knew him, was to get Sass in here. Yeah. He's a you friend know. of mine. I'm going to, in fact, introduce him to make when he makes a speech down here in April. I would love to interview him on the show. I think he's, because he needs to know how much we've been watching and needing. Did that originate, you think, out of DeSantis? Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I just from what I understand, I think that it was Ron who supported getting a controversial, decent, conservative candidate over a lot of objection. He knew the heat he was going to take from the faculty, and, the, and he didn't care because he wanted to do the right thing. Well, it sort of turned out that way, especially with this uh, thing about Israel. Yeah, that letter he wrote was really good. Yeah. When, is that, when are you going to do that uh, introduction? I think it's like the second or third week of April. I'm not sure. Okay. He's coming down here to Naples to a speaking group that he mm-hmm. I recruited well, that, him. That, that was that was that was visionary and courageous to do that. Because you know, the as you know, the the faculty unions and the um and this is the group I'm talking about already, American and colonization, all that business, communist is basically what they're saying. Uh very critical of him, had the students out critical, and he didn't back down. Yeah. It came right out after him. And I'll say one thing for Ron. I mean, he's been a good governor. He's been willing to take on some really corrupt, chaotic, sclerotic things. I mean, why should Disney have a perpetual tax exemption? You know, normally when you get a tax exemption to do a development, you get like five years, maybe even 10 years, but it, it has a sunset provision on it. And I think he was good to call that out. Well, I tell you what, I was around when that came. I remember, um, my grandmother holding up the front page of the Orlando Sentinel had a big green map on it 
she'd come down here in the 40s, you know. This was uh, a Sunshine Parkway hadn't even been built yet. She says, look at this. Somebody around here bought a bunch of land. What would they want it for? It's not good for anything. And, you know, <laughs> you know basically all you ri- you raised Brahma cattle on it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it. It was cattle country. And, um, of course, you know how that worked. Disney came in disguised as individual agents and then put it together like a quilt afterwards. And, uh, and but, but, sweetheart deals. That was the big thing. Everybody in Orlando at that time thought, oh, man, it's the greatest thing that we could possibly do for Florida. I think it's probably the worst thing we could have done for Florida. But... Well, I would, I would say you could probably look at all sides of that, but the bottom line is how long, how much is enough enough? It's been 50, 60 years. It's, I, I think that Ron was right to say, okay, enough of this subsidy for, for you. Does he stand, uh, is there any path through, I, I, you know, Ted's come out and gotten behind Trump. Uh, I understand that. And I'm a Trump guy and, and, and not, a, you know, they never mentioned what he's done. Um, always about his character or whatever. But um, there's some backup plans it wouldn't hurt to have. Do you know of any? No. I don't either. I, I know that right now it looks like Trump will get the nomination and Ron and Nikki Haley would be kind of tied for second place in the first three primaries. She may do better than Ron in South Carolina and New Hampshire, but Ron maybe do a little better than her in Iowa. I don't know. Well, I hated to see her back down on slavery. Because she gave in to the notion that that can be painted with colonization in one broad brush, and it's not that way at all. But she buckles a little bit on that. I don't think Ron would have done that. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. It's um, they, 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 they could answer that question in a clearer manner. I mean, obviously, the war was fought over slavery, and obviously it was fought over uh, the, the clash of two different kinds of economies. It just happens that ours was built on slavery. I've never really understood why the federal government didn't come in and offer to pay the, the Southern landowners for their slaves and, and convert them to free people then. They just want, they had, they needed to get paid for their capital. Never paid them. No, that would never. have been a good solution though. Yeah, never paid them. A lot of countries did that. <clears throat> well, the unfortunate thing is, we need to put that issue to bed. Uh, yeah. We have we have beat that horse too much, but it's being used by the race baiters, the uh, Sharptons and those people, and even this lady from Harvard, who oh, is totally. using, she's turned it into a racial deal, as you said. Yeah, and, and, and anything something aggrieves any uh, several minority groups, they immediately blame racism. Well, she certainly didn't waste any time playing that card. And there's a white lady right next to her, you know, had to leave, too. And she's not playing it, you know, basically capable of the same indiscretion. If that's what you want to call it. But um, that's the way it's being played. I don't think, though, and I'm going to go back to what I really believe has happened. Uh, it's been a benefit from an unattended consequence because it has revealed, even to the ones who didn't want to look um, at what's been going on since my experience back in the Johns Committee and uh, McCarthy and those people who were severely criticized for taking away individual freedoms. Um, and there was some truth to that. They came in very heavy-handed um, and, um, you know, let me you know, ravaged, if you will, 
the faculty here at the university. That's what first thing I heard when I got here, but I didn't pay much attention to it because we had so many guys returning from uh, being in Germany and the uh, um, airlift and all that business. Um, and, and older guys who come back on the GI Bill who who knew the truth, who knew what was going on, very patriotic guys. So it really wasn't a threat then uh, the way it is now where you've got kids who've done nothing for the country. You know, it, it's too bad we can't get a Kennedy back on that to mm-hmm. say to these kids, that's not what the country done for you. That's what you can do for right. anybody. Exactly. And, and you know, the, there is a silver lining, though. I think the the uh, totally out of control border, which is twisted off into an all new level of massive immigration and everything coming from everywhere, uncontrolled. And this business with this Harvard professor, uh, I think, is showing some people that things have gone too far. I think so too. That's my point at the beginning. I don't know what will be do. What will become of Biden? He's going. Is Biden going to stick it out? You know, I got to wonder if the Democrats aren't secretly secretly worried about that. Uh, they they thought originally, like about a year ago, that if they beat Trump up enough, uh, he would still get the nomination because of his base, and they'd be able to beat him. But what's happened is the more they beat him up, the more of his base he gets, which means he's getting some new people as well. And Biden's looking. Worse and worse every day. So I don't know if there's any kind of move back there to try to figure out how to get rid of this team and, and open it up, have a brokered convention or what they might want to do. But I think I think the way things stand now, Trump takes him. I think that. And yet. You know, look how surprised everybody was at um, what manifested itself on January 6th, which is the incredible application of a law that doesn't exist because you can't stretch that language into that meaning. But I'll be darned if they aren't doing it and put these guys away for a long, long time. Um, Wow. 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 Yeah, I guess the question for the cases against Trump are, and I'm not a practicing lawyer. I didn't practice very long at all. I got back in the construction business, but is whether you can... Uh, be an insurrectionist just by making one speech at the White House lawn. I don't know. A lawyer would have to say how that becomes leading a band of people and all that. It's, it's a, that would be a pretty high burden of proof. And whether or not that's a true insurrection. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. What's, is it an insurrection or not? I, there's a lot of January 6th that I personally don't like, and it's very scary that they invaded the Capitol like that. But uh, they have the right to express their opinions other than taking those kinds of actions. Well, is there anything you want to leave us with that? Uh, I, I would just say that I think that the, the, the excesses have finally gotten so bad that I think there may be a chance for a pendulum to pull back. And the, the, uh, the business about the educators and the First Amendment and this Harvard lady, uh, I, I think a lot of people, even some Democrats, are going to have problems with that. And certainly the border is drawing a lot of Democrats to the need for some kind of constructive solution and security on our border. It's just gotten totally out of hand. And uh, those, are, those are positive. And, and I think the fact is that Israel now is going into more search and destroy now that they've taken out a lot of the key Hamas guys and less, as Biden called it, indiscriminate bombing. Well, it was kind of indiscriminate for a while because they had to find those guys. 
But now that they found them, if they can go in and be more surgical about it, that will ease the pain of the people who have trouble with killing innocent uh, non-belligerents. How do you see Iran relationship with us going forward? Well, I, I think it's dangerous as long as we have the kind of leadership we have now, because they're sitting there thinking they can get away with anything. We're going to have to do something with these Houthis. And uh, I don't know how, whether that involves something in Yemen with the Houthis, or we just deal with everything that happens out on the water. Out on the water for a while would be preferable to not take it to a, us taking out sauna or wherever. But uh, uh, those those bad governments are just proxies for Iran, and we're going to have to show them something. We can't let them just close down the straits at the Gulf of Aden. No, no. Can't make the ship sail all the way around. That drives up the price of everything. Well, and it's a matter of principle as much as anything. We can't let Yemen control the Straits of Aden. And all the world seems to agree with us. Probably even China. They're not saying much, but they sell a lot, they sell a lot of stuff into Europe. Well, um, Ted's guy's eye on China feels that they are getting away with a little bit too much there. And, um, and even more now that the focus is on, I don't know how much the Republican effort to tie China and the border together with support for uh, Ukraine is going to work. Um, what's your well, I think Trump, was, Trump was really right on the China thing from day one, and he really raised the consciousness of a lot of people to how they had exploited their membership in the WTO to their advantage and to the rest of the developed world's disadvantage. And, and, and Biden's tried to continue that a little bit with the strategic supply chain reorientation but every time anybody tries to speak up, a lot of American companies start trying to uh, oppose them. And that's a problem. You know, we need strategic products controlled in our strategic interest, not just because it hurts some company's profit margin. Bidenomics. Hmm. You figure out what that is and tell me, OK? I'm going to ask you. You're the businessman. You tell me, man. What? I think I think Bidenomics is you spend all the money you can on everything that doesn't add value and you expect somehow or another the economy to profit from it. We're spending time. The only thing that Biden spent yet that's going to add to the productive capacity of our country is the defense bill and the infrastructure bill for airports, roads, hospitals, et cetera. Rest of this stuff is a huge waste of trillions of dollars that the marketplace should have solved itself. And could. I mean, look at EVs. The marketplace is solving for EVs right now. That they, 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 no one would afford one if the government didn't pay half of it. That's true. That's true. I still think that's going so, it's gotten so hard to to get people to want to buy them and to get the components. Which you could have a whole discussion about how is it worth is one secure, safe, natural gas well worse than a strip mine? I don't think so. But that's a separate issue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. I know you got another meeting coming up, and it's always uh, nice to catch up with you and see what you look at from Naples. By golly, I had good friends in Naples for years down there, and all conservative people. I think Naples got a conservative stronghold, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's R plus 16. There's only three or four districts like, like this one down here. <laughs> yeah. I had a good friend who was president of the Republican Party down there who was a doctor since past, and uh couple of friends down there in that area that uh, yeah. good guys. 
Well, thank you. It's a good country. Anyway, thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. We're going to take a break here on the Ward Scott Files. Come back with Ward's weather in just a moment. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. All right, coach. Last year, the best party in Gator Nation was a Spurrier's Bison's Rooftop. But now, we're in 23, we're celebrating this year. What the restaurant has planned for this year, New Year's Eve? That's right. We got usual great food here at Spurrier's. We got wonderful music, and it's the best way to ring in 2024. It's going to be Advisor's Rooftop Bar from 7 through midnight to about 1 a.m. We got elevated hors d'oeuvres. We got sparkling wine pairings. We're going to dance to the DJ Elio here. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show... Thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth. All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Ward's Weather, brought to you by a Chevron Lewis Oil, fossil fuel, best you can get, Chevron stations, Lewis Oil, Wendell Lewis. Well, a little nippy, in the 40s right now, getting up to the low 60s here in the pine uh, country of God's country, North Central Florida. But sweeping across the nation, according to the Computers I'm looking at now, 
this weekend will be a parade. The word they use is a parade, a parade of storms. And um, northern part of the country, snow and ice. Middle part, um, lots and mountains, mountain snow. And the south, a lot of rain. Well, you know how it is. If the weather guys get it right, good. I mean, they can miss it. And, you know, it's always bewildered me. The fact that we know this, that the weather forecast is not always right on, doesn't change at all this stuff we hear about climate change as if it's dead on all the time. I don't get it. It just is above my pay grade. I just don't get it. Well, we covered some topics there with Ambassador Rooney, um, who was the ambassador to the Holy See, which is the Vatican, which is a country um, under Bush. And, of course, he stayed active as Ambassador Rooney. He was in Congress with Ted Yoho, Ron DeSantis, people like Sassy, Sass. So we covered some topics that um, we both came to agreement on that one of the good things, and I don't like to use that word in this situation, one of the good things about this Hamas-Israeli ugliness is that we have exposed education for what it is. Um, it has been an exposure that has been going on for a little while now in the K-12 through level because of the more and more black and there was an article I read the other day black women running the system and bringing to it the DEI values at the expense of meritocracy. And that has been met with with, with basic rebellion by the mothers who want their children simply well-educated. This has been a wake-up call. And now it's gone into the universities where we've known about it for a long time. Those of us who work in it, I have documents out on Ward's Bulletin Board about it. And the U.S. universities now are beginning to, and Daniel Henninger has an article about this, the political monocultures governed by of thy diversity, equity, and inclusion system of hiring and firing and promoting and talking and thinking, or else you hit the road. The appearance before Congress by the president's of Penn, Harvard, and MIT were supposed to have been 
for them. And the word that's used by Hanager is a good one. Robotic. These presidents of universities and colleges are always doing this stuff. They're always going before some group that wants to ask them questions. And they get very good at it. They know how to talk the language, use the phrases. They have perfected the art of even sitting comfortably and appearing not to be in the least bit rattled. They give reports all the time. They have staff that prepares them. The Harvard Board of Governors has been governing forever. And editor points out that these circumstances were supposed to be as routine as ever. Go down to Congress, answer the questions in a way that doesn't answer them. But what came out was not what the public wanted to see or hear. I submit to you as quite normal for the presidents. They were basically suppressing speech that disagreed with DEI. It came out into light under such words as committed, addressing, when talking about anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism was approached using the same kind of coded euphemistic language that talking about whether or not so-and-so should be invited to the campus to speak, who was basically pretty safe and that he didn't have anything controversial to do. So routine stuff. It was supposed to have been routine stuff. But because the behavior of Hamas was so heinous, so vicious, and because these presidents answered questions about it in such a blasé, business-like format. The conversation became highly suspicious, even to the point that It appeared fraudulent, fraught be, and that 
They really didn't care about Jewish kids because they weren't blacks about whom they did care. And why did they care about the blacks and not the Jewish kids? Well, the Jewish kids, their lives were improved by colonization. They got their own country. The blacks, their lives were not improved by colonization because they were removed from their country. That's basically the thinking. So the system has been compensating low these many years by treating the blacks with favoritism but not the Jewish kids. The Asians just get left out of it. Because you see, they're not victims of colonizations. They didn't benefit from it. They didn't not benefit from it. And consequently, they get discriminated against. But they're so sturdy, they just plow on and succeed anyway. But what happens is because the blacks are being given excuses, then the standards have suffered. And had this woman, President Black, not had any violation of academic standards in her research, she probably would have survived. But then that becomes an aha moment. Aha. Aha. See, we told you all along that if you lower the standards and you get a person like gay, then the work will be inferior, but she will rise, ironically, to the highest position. This was a nightmare. Trust me. This was a nightmare for all those who have been arguing for affirmative action. Meanwhile, it occurs at a place that has slapped itself on the back low these many years for producing more productive, intelligent people than any other institution in the country. I don't know when thinking about it. There's any more moment, any moment, any more dramatically instructive about the flaws in these theories than this one. From parents who've been saying this at local school boards 
to donors who've been giving to universities. To people who want a good education. Now it's scary. Is the doctor who's doctoring me a product of the same slipshod academic scrutiny that the president? of the institution was? And do the faculty tolerate this? Or might the faculty never have known it? This is almost, i tell you what this reminds me of. I remember quite well, let me take a sip of caliber coffee. I remember watching the Watergate hearings and the reason I was watching them, I was uh, very fascinated by Senator Sam Urban, quoted the Bible a lot, who was an entertaining, smart guy. I liked him. And I was watching these senators. I remember it was in the summertime I was at the beach, had a little time in the middle of the day. And along came this guy named Alexander Butterfield. What a name. Alexander Butterfield. And he really was buried in the catacombs of the White House. He was a clerk type guy. He kept a diary, so to speak. He was the diary keeper. Kept the official legend. Kept the records. Very unemotional guy. Very ask me any question, I'll answer it. And they asked him about whether or not such and if I remember correctly, such and such had been said. Or something to that effect. And you know, the wind is blowing off the ocean and I'm having an iced tea and you know, I'm just sitting there waiting to see what Sam Urbans has to say. And this guy says, oh, yes, we have that. And one of the senators said, maybe Inouye from Hawaii or maybe the guy from Tennessee. The name escapes me right now. What do you mean we have that? You have that? You have that comment recorded? And by recorded, they meant, did you write it down somewhere? Just as a matter of fact, with a straight face, without a change of expression, he said, oh, it's on tape. 
you could have heard a pin drop. It's on tape. What do you mean it's on tape? The gentleman then says, we tape every single conversation that takes place. The president does that. Well, this shocked these congressional guys. You mean there's no privacy? You mean if I was sitting there by the Oval Desk, I was being recorded? And Butterfield said yes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That conversation changed the country. This conversation with this black female Harvard president maybe maybe could change the country if people realized what all it stands for. All the covering up. All the manipulation of data. All the false theories. I talked with a friend of mine a couple of days ago. I'll close with this. I won't tell you his name. On his birth certificate, because of when he was born, is the word colored. The word colored. And when he was a little kid, he went to both segregated elementary schools and integrated because it happened while he was a little kid. So he went to both segregated education and integrated education. And just in telling me the story of his childhood, he said, I liked them both. I didn't have any trouble with either one. Now, when he went outside in the cold at night in those days to go to the bathroom, they had an outhouse. So this man is a very prominent person in the community now. I'm thinking, why isn't it that way? Why isn't it that way for everybody? You just go on and do what you can with what you what you've got. Not at Harvard. Harvard knows everything. This guy, his education was about as far 
from Harvard as you could possibly get. And yet, I would take this guy over that Harvard president any day. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.